Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now, here is this week's message from Pastor Floyd Hughes. All right, good morning again, uh, church family. Um, We are in chapter 16. Uh, If I am, let me double check. Uh, Chapter 16, I believe, of the book of 1 Corinthians. But we are not going to be finished with 1 Corinthians for another couple of weeks. So forgive me for that. Uh, 1 Corinthians ends with chapter 16, but there are a couple of chapters that I skipped over and I said we're going to go back to um, one of them being the chapter on communion where Paul kind of talks about communion. So just to give everyone a heads up, one of the things that we're going to do next week is we're going to partake of communion a little bit different than how we used to in order to uh, be safe for coronavirus, social distancing, all of that type of stuff. Uh, For those of you who are watching at home and you want to partake of communion with us, you can do that. And I know some of you, because of your church traditions, you're like, no, it has to be done a certain way. Uh, We're not going to do it until the end, okay? Because a lot of us have been taught that we can only do communion in such and such a way. But what Paul explains is that communion is more than what we actually think it is. So we're going to do it at the end. Those of you who are at home, uh, if you have some grape juice or uh, some bread, you'll be able to use that to... uh, I keep looking down there because that's where I see the people online. Uh, You'll be able to use that to partake of communion with us. Those of you who want to go full on wine, I wouldn't recommend it because it's going to be like 11 o'clock in the morning. But, you know, who am I to say what's going on in your household? Uh, But all you're going to need is some bread uh, and some grape juice, and you will be able to partake in communion with us at home. That's what we're going to do next week, and there's another chapter that we skipped over that we're going to go back to. But this week, we're going to continue in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 16, although we're not going to wind down. Uh, And before we do that, uh, open to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, uh, because I want to show you something. I'm going to put a lot of verses up on the screen, and then we are going to come back and read through it together in the Bible. But one of the things that it says, I don't know if it says it in your Bibles, uh, there's a heading that says the collection for God's people. Right, because that's where Paul starts to talk about money. Uh, some Bibles might say uh, now about giving or talking about giving or something to that effect. Uh, but the reality is only four of those verses actually talk about money. The other 19 verses talk about how we, the church, the same thing he has been reiterating over and over, how we're supposed to interact with one another and get along with one another. And he has some conditions Uh, that he says that we need to take into consideration. So I'm going to jump through the rest of chapter 16, and then we'll come back and we're going to read through together uh, the portions about money. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, I'm going to start at verse 7. This is what he says. He says, I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. But I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost, Because a great door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many who oppose me. So one of the things he's been reiterating is, hey, you guys need to be the church. You need to spend time together. 
And Paul, with almost all of the congregations that he wrote to, I think Rome was maybe the only one he didn't really know them that well because he hasn't visited them yet when he wrote it, but all of the other ones he knew and he spent time with. And he said, I don't want to just come and make a passing visit, teach on Sunday, and then I'm on my way, right? I want to come. I want to hang out. I want to go to the cookout. I want to have coffee. I want to hang out for hours after the Sunday celebration, and let's talk about what's been going on and how you've been doing and your kids, because it's, that's what the church is supposed to be. The church isn't supposed to be this thing where we go, and for an hour and a half, we sing, we read, we go home. It's supposed to be the fellowship. It's supposed to be people coming together and getting to know one another. And as pastors, that's something that we're supposed to be a part of. I know uh, nothing against big churches. I was a part of a church of 3,000 people. I was a part of a church of 300 people. It's hard to get to know everyone in the room when there are that many people. But one of the things that you can do is just get to know the person sitting next to you or six feet away from you now because that's how we roll. Get to know them. Find out their name. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I know a lot of people, I will look down and see who's online and say hey to Larry and Jamie and Sharon and Glenn and Stacy and say hi to them because they're a part of our online fellowship even though they're in another location. And that was one of the things that he reiterated. And he said, um, I'm going to stay at Ephesus, and I wanted to point out until Pentecost because even though he was a Christ follower, he still maintained his Jewish culture. And being a Christ follower doesn't erase your culture. You can still have your culture, but don't let your culture conflict with Christ. Right? Uh, and then he says this, in verse 10 to 11, he says, When Timothy comes, see to it that he has nothing to fear while he is with you, for he is carrying on the work of the Lord, just as I am. And what a lot of theologians believe is that one of the reasons Paul wrote to the church in Corinth is because they had a lot of issues. They weren't get getting along. I don't know if you guys can remember way back in, when was it, February or whenever, when we started, the very first thing he talked about was the division. They were divided like into political groups and racial groups and I only like this pastor and I only like that pastor and he started by saying don't be divided and some theologians believe that Timothy and Apollos who we're going to read about in a minute they were kind of hesitant to go there because they were like I don't want to be a part of that those people have issues I don't want to be a part of that I just want to go preach the gospel and share the love of Christ but other people believe that that wasn't the issue. It was just something else going on. He says, no one then should treat him with contempt, which lends to the, the belief that the people there were kind of mistreating one another. If the pastor has to say, hey, I've got a missionary coming, make sure you don't treat them with contempt, then that church needs to rethink how they're treating people. He said, send him on his way in peace so that he may return to me. I'm expecting him along with the brothers. And he says, now about our brother Apollos, strongly urged him to go to you with the brothers. And he was quite unwilling to go. But he's going to go when he has the opportunity. And again, people believe that Apollos was also like, no, I don't want to go to the church in Corinth. Here's the thing. No body of Christ should be that church where people say, I don't want to go there. Because they're angry because they're divided, because they're divided over all this racial stuff, because they're fighting with one another, because they're talking bad about one another. If that's the reputation we have, we're not being the church. If that's the way people in the community see us, we're not being the church. 
We're supposed to be the voice of hope, the voice of reason, and the voice of unity that no matter where you are in the world, you can walk to a church and they're talking about the love of Christ, his ability to help us repent from our sins and spend eternity with him. If we're, if we're like arguing over all this stuff, uh, we're not being the church. Okay, so now uh, he ends it with this. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous and be strong. And I have to say that so many of us these days need to hear that because of all the stuff that's going on. I got to be honest, I haven't watched the news in like going on like eight or nine days now because it just got too much. Uh, I've been trying to stay off of social media because it literally breaks my heart and it makes me mad to see Christ followers saying some of the hateful things that they are saying about one another. And so many of us, these are words that hopefully should encourage us to be on our guard, to stand firm in the faith, regardless of what's going on in the world, to be courageous. We're supposed to have the courage to step up and to say to people, hey, I know you're angry. I don't care how you feel. If you're claiming to be a Christ follower, that's not acceptable. And I know it's hard because we all have family members that are on every side of everything going on. But the reality is that we've got to be, have the courage to step up to them and say, hey, if you're a Christ follower, that's unacceptable. If you're not a Christ follower, just don't be mean and rude. Just be kind. Remember when our mom used to say, if you had nothing good to say? Well, that's what your mind said, shut up. But don't say nothing at all. If you have nothing good to say, just shut up. Just be quiet. Just don't say anything. That's what we need to do. So if you have your Bible now, Open to the book of 1 Corinthians. I'm going to step down here for a minute because this camera has gone like on the fritz. Wow. It's wigging out. Okay. Uh, open to the book of 1 Corinthians. Yeah. So let me, I'm going to pause this camera and stop it from moving because it's streaming to, ah, that's why. Wires are, oh, disconnected. All right. There you go. Sorry about that technical difficulty. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Again, only four verses, only four verses that talk about um, money, finance, giving. Uh, verse 1, he says this, now about the collection for God's people. And again, we talked about when you see him say now about this or switch topics, it's because he's now going to answer a question that they have asked, and they asked a question about giving. Unlike many people think, the church isn't always talking about money, okay? Uh, Paul wrote 16 chapters to them, and of those 16 chapters, four verses talk about money. He says, now I'm about the collection for God's people, which is important because the collection, a lot of people think, uh, and I've been told this by people, that I know about how the church misuses money and just gives it all to the pastor, that's not supposed to happen. There are some churches where as money comes in, the pastor gets his portion, and then everything else, whatever's left, if there's anything left, will go to pay bills. That's not the way it's supposed to work. The money that comes in is supposed to be used for God's people, for the ministry, for the church to be effective in reaching people for Christ. He says, do what I told the Galatian churches to do, which I love that because it adds the validity of the other books of the Bible. He says, on the first day of every week, so at the Sunday celebration, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income. 
Now, this is, this is uh, crucial because, again, Paul, Jewish background, deep Jewish background, his understanding was giving was 10%. That's what a tithe was. You tithed, you gave whatever you brought in, you gave 10%. He didn't hold to that for the New Testament church because they weren't all Jewish. He wasn't trying to teach them how to be Jewish. He was trying to teach them how to give. But he understood that, hey, you don't just give like willy-nilly, and that's the first time I've ever used that phrase, but you give in accordance with your income. And I've shared this before that for me, when I started tithing, um, and, and transparent, be 100% honest, uh, I went to church for years, never tithe. I was one of the people that thought that money just goes in the pastor's pocket. I'm not going to contribute to that. I don't know what he's using it for, yada, yada, yada. I did not start tithing until 2002, which is sad on my part, very sad. I went to a course that talked about tithing, walked through the biblical understanding of what tithing is, and then I started tithing. And this was one of the verses that they instructed on. They, you know, foundation 10%, but according to Paul, just do it in accordance with your income. So I said, okay, God, I'm going to give 1% of my income because that's just me. Never tithed before. I don't know that I can trust you to give you a whole 10%, God, so I'm going to give you 1%. And then within like a year, income jumped up like $20,000. I said, okay, God, I see you. I'm going to give you 5%. And then he doubled my income, and I said, okay. From that point on, always a minimum of 10% for me. That's just my mindset. That's my understanding. And more if I can give more. Also from that point on, never once have I doubted, is God going to be able to financially take care of me? And there have been times I've lost jobs, had no income, really struggled and, you know, had friends tell me you should trust God. And I really didn't want to listen to them because that's not what you want to hear when you have no money and you're trying to keep the lights on, but trusted God and he provided. It was like, okay, never again for me come into a situation. I've had many situations since then where I didn't know where the money was coming from, but trusted God. And I'll also share this. Uh, uh, when we as a congregation, I don't know how many years ago, uh, sat here after one Sunday celebration with the board, and we were like, we have no idea how much longer we're going to be able to keep the lights on. Small congregation, giving's low, we got bills to pay, don't know if we're going to be able to do it, and we made a decision. We said we're just going to pray, and we're going to trust God. And we have, and God has more than, like, proven himself able, if we are faithful to him, to be faithful to us, right? So in reality, in reality, um, as we go through the next two verses, I just want to share it really quickly, it's not even four verses about giving, because the next two verses aren't about giving. It's only two verses about giving. The next two verses, verse three, then when I arrive, I'll give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem, which shows churches are supposed to help other churches, that should be the norm. He's telling the church in Corinth, hey, take up an offering, and we're going to use it to help the church in Jerusalem. Churches are supposed to help other churches. And then he says this, verse 4, if it seems advisable for me to go also, they will accompany me. So in actuality, only two 
of those four verses are about here's how you're supposed to give, right? And this, but most of the time, the church, when they talk about money, uh, it turns people away. But again, think about this. 15 verses, I mean 15 chapters, 16 total, that Paul has talked about. He's talked about stop being divided. He's talked about uh, sexual, um, um, doing sexual things in a way that is God-honoring. Yeah, he's talked about spiritual wisdom. He's talked about using your spiritual gifts and giving glory to God. He's talked about we didn't get to it yet, but here's the aspect of communion and what it means. And uh, we didn't get to it, but we will. He also talked about in chapter 15 about the resurrection, the theology behind the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. All of that, a whole lot of stuff, deep stuff, two verses are about money. But in most churches today, all they talk about is money. They make money the, the heart and soul to the point where um, I had some people that came to me and said, hey, they actually complained. And I was like, I'm sorry, there's absolutely nothing I can do about it. Because when the whole lockdown started, right, what happened was a lot of churches uh, said, hey, they're going to give a stimulus check. And they were reiterating, you know, as they went to online, don't forget to tithe off your stimulus. Don't forget to tithe off your stimulus. Don't forget to give 10% of that stimulus to the church, right? Whereas what I said, which my wife had to correct me, I said, if you have a need, like you're hurting, you're trying to keep food on your table, you don't have a job, don't give that money to the church. Put food on your table, take care of your family, make sure your bills are paid. Christy had to correct me, so I came back the next week and said, hey, prayerfully consider whether or not you should give money to the church, because it's not for me to tell you what to do. But your priority, in my opinion, should be making sure that your bills are paid, that, the, that your lights stay on, that, that you know, your insurance is covered, that there's food on the table from your family. But don't just listen to me. Pray about it to God. And I had people that came to me and said, hey, it's not right from other churches, how come they're telling me I got to take part of my stimulus check and pay? I got to take part of it. Because a lot of people were listening to our live streams and some people were upset. I was like, there's nothing I can do about that. You got to take that up with your pastor. Every church, you know, has their own deal. Our deal has always been that, hey, if you are able to give and you're a Christ follower and you feel comfortable giving here, then give. If you are not able to give, then don't. Whenever we see visitors here, I try to make sure that I say, when we take time for the offering, hey, don't feel obligated to give. This is your first time here. No one walks into a place they don't know and just hands them money. Does anyone do that in, in the real world? Do you walk into some place? I've never been here before. Let me give them my money. No one does that, and you shouldn't do that at a church. Find out where the money is going. Find out if this is a place that lines up. Find out if they're actually teaching the word of God before you start giving them your money. Okay? Sorry, I went off on a long tangent. So uh, if you were to sum up, now, all the things that the Bible talks about giving, congregational giving, there's not a lot. If you sum up what the Bible talks about money, there's a whole bunch. It talks about money. I think it's the second or third most thing talked about throughout the Bible. Money, credit, don't be in debt, all those kind of things. Those of you who are reading through uh, the daily Bible with us, you see a lot of the things about don't be in debt from, from uh, Solomon uh, in the Proverbs, right? So there's a whole lot about money. But when it comes to congregational giving, like giving, 
Not a whole lot. Very specific, very few things, and they can be summed up pretty much um, like this. In Luke chapter 21, uh, Jesus is watching as people give in an offering, and then Yeshua, this is the complete Jewish Bible version, and I'll tell you why I picked that version in a minute. It says, then Yeshua, that's Jesus, looked up, and as he watched the rich placing their gifts into the temple offering boxes, he also saw a poor widow put in two small coins. Now, it's likely that the way that they had things organized is that the rich would sit together, the poor would sit together, kind of like there's the rich church, there's the poor church, there's the black church, there's the white church. So there was the rich people in the synagogue would go up first. And it's likely that the reason that this women, woman went up with them is because at one point she was rich. But now she was a widow, and she was no longer wealthy. She no longer had that stream of income coming in. She put in two small coins. Some of your Bibles say two mites. He said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put in more than all the others, for they, out of their wealth, have contributed money they could easily spare. But she, out of her poverty, has given all she had to live on. So when you look at this, this is one of the things that Jesus was uh, communicating, and there is absolutely nothing wrong with giving out of you uh, the wealth that you have. If God has blessed you to be wealthy, thank him for it. Give praise to him for it. You know, if you make a million dollars a year, yes, don't forget to tithe, but if you make a million dollars a year and you're writing out that $1,000, you know, check a month or whatever, however often, right, that's great that God has put you in a position where you can easily give that money because you have it to spare. But that person who makes $10,000 a year, for them to take the $2 out of their pocket and drop it in the offering basket, sometimes that hurts. And what God is saying is, hey, they're giving more because they don't have it to spare. Uh, and the truth is, when you talk about giving, giving should make us feel something because we're giving something that costs us something. It is perfectly okay if you have enough money where you can give freely, where it's not impacting your bills and you just keep giving, that's great. But you should feel like, wow, I'm, 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 I'm taking something out of what I need to give to God. Because giving is a matter of the heart, right? It's one of the things that Paul is going to come back and reiterate to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians, which we won't get to for a while. He says, here's the point. He who plants sparingly also harvests sparingly. And some of your Bibles say reap. I use the word harvest because when you think of reap, like reaping the benefits, you think of it's just coming to me easily. When you think of harvest, you have to go out and work for what you're bringing in, all right? But each should give according to what he has decided in his heart not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. When you give, it should be as a matter of, yeah, I'm going to miss this money. I, I have lots of T-shirts I would rather buy, but I'm going to give this to you, God. And I'm not going to be mad about it. I'm not going to be upset about it. I'm not going to be hateful about it. I'm going to be joyful that God has blessed me enough that I have something to give. Whether I'm given $2, whether I'm given $200, thank you so much, God, that you've blessed me enough that I am, have something to give. Now, he adds this first. 
says, moreover, God has the power to provide you with every gracious gift in abundance so that always, in every way, you will have all you need yourselves and be able to provide abundantly for every good cause. He says, God has the power for those who say, you know what, I really want to be able to give. God has the power to make you able to give, to bless you abundantly so that you can give. And again, the work is supposed to be used for the good of the church to make the church better. Sometimes it's just keeping the lights on. Sometimes it's funding missionaries. Sometimes it's just uh, like we just spent, uh, I sent out a letter, hope all of you got it. Uh, we just spent money so we can expand our streaming capabilities and get the word out to more people. We spent I don't know how much, $12,000 last year, so we could put the message on the radio so more people could hear the gospel. All of this goes so that we can make the church better for what we believe is a good cause. And again, Paul spent the last 15 verses talking about this, or 15, excuse me, two verses of the last 15 chapters talking about money. And he was very specific. Yeah, if you're able to, save up once a week. Here you go, God. Thank you, Jesus. If you are not able to, don't feel guilty. Don't feel upset. Just thank God that, hey, I can watch online. Thank God that, hey, I was able to show up this week. Thank God that, hey, at some point in the future, God will put me back in a position where I'm able to give. Because I know there's a lot of people dealing with financial struggles right now. we got millions upon millions of people who are unemployed. And I don't think that God's heart is to squeeze out of those unemployed people, give me every last dollar so the church can have money. That's my opinion, right? But for those who want to, again, God will enable you to give if you have a heart that desires to do so. Those people that say, I want to give, listen, I have done it before. Do not be ashamed. If you're the person walking up with a dollar and 22 cents and that's all you're putting in the offering, put it in there and say, thank you, Jesus, that I had a dollar and 22 cents to give, that God enabled you to be able to give something, right? So I want to close um, with us praying and giving God praise for our ability to give. Because uh, normally we stop and we take that time during the middle so that we can give God praise and take up our offering. We didn't do that today because this whole message was about giving God praise for enable us, enabling us to give. And like I've been saying, we do our offering differently. We don't uh, pass the plate but here's what we do do. We do uh, have locations set up, and actually these are plates in the front and boxes in the back for people to give either as they come or as they leave. Uh, we will always take time to give God thanks for him blessing us enough so that we are able to give. Uh, we have capabilities online for people that are watching online. Uh, and again, if you're watching online and you feel like, hey, I don't know these guys. I just came across this and I want to check it out. Don't give anything to us. Let this be our gift to you. If you're one of the regulars in our community who watch online, uh, there's links online somewhere on one of the ways that you're watching that you can click and it will allow you to take you to our website and you'll be able to donate online. If you don't feel like you want to do that, if you're one of the people that don't trust online giving or you just don't want to give, 
don't feel obligated to give. It's supposed to be a matter of joy, and it's supposed to be something that you're excited to do, and it's supposed to be a way that you say, thank you, God, for blessing me, and so I want to just give back a small part of that blessing to you. And before I close in prayer, let me say this, because, again, there are times, uh, lots of churches, the way they're organized is they have set times throughout the year where they have giving campaigns and they talk about giving. I don't think we've done a full Sunday talking about giving at least in the last maybe 12, 13, 14, 18 months. I don't remember. Because we only do it when it comes up in God's word. If it's not talked about in God's word, then I'm not going to drill into you guys to give other than the time that we take to say, thank you, Jesus. Uh, we'll take up our offering and then we move on. But I feel compelled, again, to say, whether you're watching online or in the room, don't feel guilty if you're not able to give. Pray that God would allow you to give, because as we just read, he has the power to do that. And if all you're giving is a dollar, two dollars, uh, 22 cents, whatever, thank God that you have the ability to give that. And always take the time to give God thanks, like we were singing about for all of his blessings. The fact that you have a job, the fact that you have an ability to give, the fact that you have a bank account, the fact that you have Wi-Fi to watch this, all of that, give praise and glory to God. So I'm going to pray, and then uh, I'm, I'm going to ask the band to come up. God, we thank you so much for every blessing that you pour out on us. We realize that there is coming a day, we're not there yet, but there is coming a day where we won't have to worry about, you know, giving um, um, from, from this account or that account or joblessness or, or will we have enough to eat or do I give to God or do I pay the bills? There is coming a day when all we will be able to do is just worship and celebrate with you and give you thanks in person for every blessing that you have poured out on us and we cannot wait until that day. But my prayer for us here at Crossroads is that those who can give would give and would do so cheerfully so that we can share your word, so that we can share your love, so that we can take every measure possible to let anyone who is listening know that there is a God who loved them, who gave his life for them, who died for them, who rose from the grave to prove to them his love. And whether it be on radio or online or sharing it here in person or via the podcast or however, we want to be able to share that message with the world. Because right now, God, we know that the world is hurting, that the world needs healing, and the world needs hope. And although we look forward to the day when they no longer need the church to be the voice of reason and hope, where people can just hear your voice and know their soul, we pray right now and today that you would allow us to be the church, to be that source, to share the gospel with this community. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ.